fistful of cash. going on ladies and gentlemen you are tuned into the fistful of cash podcast i am your host dale lippin in here with the co-hostess soup creating some audio magic for your ear holes what's going on soup how are you no you know same old same old sitting here watching the thursday night game uh, baker mayfield's finally getting his chance uh looks good so far um just let them downfield for their first touchdown of the game. Uh, it's 14 to 13 now. So about 42 seconds left in the third quarter. So oh. we'll see if he can get his first uh, game winning drive in his first career game. So that'd be pretty interesting. That would qualify him for big game Baker status, right? I don't think Thursday night football against the Jets is a big game by any means. So I don't uh, know. No, I if, disagree. Um, right. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll just we'll feed into it. We'll say, yeah, Thursday night football is important. I mean, every game's important, but Thursday night, you know, guys don't play full speed. They don't want to get hurt. None of the players like it. Um, but I mean, I, I guess it's a big game because if they win, that's that's a big game. That's a big game for the Browns if they win. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing like beating the Jets, uh, and there's really nothing like beating the Jets, the Jets with a rookie quarterback. So I'm with you. Uh, I think it's a huge game. I mean, me personally, I don't. I'm, I guess I'm not with you, but I think this is a huge game for the Browns. Um, it's going to be hard to win the division if they don't win this game. So you know, they, they're going to need. I, that's <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's going to be tough. You're not going to let me troll you. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it ride. All right. So. Um, Real quick, before we get into our picks, uh, you know, we are primarily our bread and butter. What pays the bills around here is MMA and football. So I would be remiss if I did not, or if we did not briefly, ever so briefly, because the next couple of weeks are going to be dominated by this, mention the uh, Khabib versus Connor press conference, um, in which Connor wore a pink, pink, purple, purple suit um and slammed whiskey with dana white and uh basically looked all sorts of shook up it was very weird so uh yeah, there's that i know i know you didn't get to see much of it no no but uh, the clip that i did see um like you mentioned to me earlier that uh they that it was private so all the connor fanboys and his groupies couldn't come in and his all his punchlines just missed um nothing seemed as funny because there wasn't a crowd behind it it was like watching a sitcom with no laugh track um yeah it was it was weird um and it didn't help that he pulled out uh some of his uh brand whiskey uh that just made it even more awkward as the press conference went on but uh yeah um Khabib looks calm and ready and Connor seems nervous and twitchy. And I think he realizes that uh, he wasn't hand fed this match, like pretty much every other UFC fight that he's had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that a, a lot of people 
forget um, the fights that he has had. Um, the one fight that I will put no blemish on whatsoever is when he finally got the fight Aldo and knocked Aldo out in what was that? 13 seconds, six seconds, something ridiculous. Um, other than that, um, you know, you knocking out Marcus Brimage, you knocking out Poirier by punching him in the back of the head. Um, you know, you going to decision with Max, a, a super young Max Holloway, uh, you fighting an angry Eddie Alvarez that refused to follow a game plan. Um, I, I just, I'm not, I've never been on the, the Connor train whatsoever. Uh, he has masterfully uh, been able to follow the Floyd Mayweather playbook uh, where you talk the biggest game and you bark from your side of the fence as much as you can, but you pick and choose when you come to the other side of the fence. Uh, people act like he's a world beater when he beat Nate Diaz. Uh, you know, the second time, the first time, let's not forget, he got choked out the first time. Um, and Nate Diaz at the time that happened was a – He free- wasn't even top 15, was he? Right. He's fringe top 15 lightweight when right. you got right. when you got choked out by him. I mean, come on, man. But it's the egos in the mouth that uh, that sells that fight. It's not the caliber of the uh, the matchup. And to touch on the uh, the, the Aldo one, I'm, it's not by any means am I saying it's the exact same. But it felt I, Aldo came out with his hands down, which was weird. And it, I want to say if they f- if they would have fought a second time at the, at the time you know, years ago, I, now I, you know, I think Connor wins that fight, but if they would have had a rematch, like an immediate rematch between the two, um, like a Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, like when, when Anderson Silva got knocked out by Weidman, it was more of Silva was too comfortable and he was pulling his little cocky antics. It was like, like, like Aldo was too comfortable when he came out with his hands down and didn't respect Connor's power. And don't get me wrong. Connor actually absolutely leveled him. Um, but I feel like if that fight makes it out of the first round, it would have been a whole different story. I get it's a combat sport. You know, one punch wins the fight. Um, but I just, it's hard for me to not, I don't want to say not give Connor credit for that win, but to think that if Aldo came out prepared and wasn't so comfortable with his hands down, I feel like that fight would have went a different way. And it, it very well could have. Um, I'll give Connor a lot of credit in the fact, one, he has a cannon for a left hand. Two, his spacing is impeccable. Um, he knows how to make you miss by a quarter inch. Um, you know, the whole adage of miss by a, an inch, miss by a mile. He's very good at just, I mean, literally just being out of the way. Um, and he has he has great timing. Um, he fights like he's moving at a different speed as far as processing goes as other guys do. And that affords him a lot of opportunities. That being said, any fight with Connor that makes it out of the first round, your chances of winning exponentially grow, uh, just at an alarming rates as the fight ticks on. However, I don't know what he's been doing since the Floyd Mayweather fight. I mean, following on Instagram, it looks like he's partying up quite a bit, uh, you know, a guy that's willing to drink whiskey two weeks prior to a fight. That's one thing as well. Um, but his cardio. Yeah, it is. He's just promoting his cardio had to be better than 
so boxing cardio Connor had to be better than MMA cardio Connor. And he, he did go 10 rounds before getting exhausted against Mayweather. Um, so if he's able to translate some of that cardio over into the Khabib fight, I think it will benefit him a little bit, but not much. Once that Russian bear gets a hold of you, it's kind of a wrap. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting fight. He did not look good. He did not look like a healthy human being at the uh, the press conference today. So, right. And regardless how good his cardio is, um, it's going to be tough, and he is going to get worn down with um, – probably, you know, 175, 180 pound Khabib laying on top of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I looking at them, uh, at their little face off today, I don't think Khabib comes in, it, you know, first of all, Khabib needs to make the weight. Yes. Um, if Khabib makes the weight, he's looking at a very easy, like you said, 175 pound Khabib, uh, on top of them for sure. It's also been a while since Connor's made the jump or, you know, whatever, the fall, if you will, to 155. So, you know, it, lifestyle plays a big factor into that. Um, Khabib being Muslim, not drinking alcohol, not partying the way that Connor does. Um, you know, especially for him, this is a this is a motivation thing more than anything else. Um, you know, this... Connor's legacy, if you will, is already sort of established, regardless right. of whether or not he comes out and gets beat for all eight of the next fights that he he just signed with the UFC for. He can lose the next nine fights, and he's still going to be the first ever double champ. He's still going to be Connor McGregor. That's fine. But Khabib has been saying for the last five years, "I'm the guy," and he finally has the belt. This mean this fight means everything to Khabib, and I don't think we've ever had a fight with Khabib that means everything to him. This means everything to him. I'm absolutely enthralled with this matchup, and I can't wait till October sixth. Yeah, I mean, you know, twenty six and zero. Uh, that is impressive in itself. There's no doubt about it. But a dominating win over the face of combat sports in Conor McGregor would just be, I mean, like you said, that would solidify his legacy that will put, that will put Khabib and his stupid yellow wig in. It's white. It's white. Whatever. It's, it's looks like someone pissed on it and let it dry. Okay. Um, That will put him, his face will be recognizable in the average um, fight fan. You know what I mean? Yes. Anybody can look at a picture and say, that's Conor McGregor. You show people a picture of Khabib and, you know, only the people that actually watch UFC and, and take mixed, mixed martial arts, the heart are going to know who he is, but a win like this will make him a household face and name. Yeah, for sure. You're absolutely right. Um, and you know, granted his last name is 85 syllables long, but, just being able to have the the name power to just go by Khabib, um, that's going to help as well. So the name means a lot for everything. Like the Conor McGregor thing, that me, that name, that's a good name. That's like a you know, uh, that that's a that's a name that rolls off the tongue and it's remember it's memorable by just about anybody. I mean, you can hear, uh, you know, a girl at a bar go, oh, "I'm watching a Conor McGregor fight." So that was like, I mean that that's a name that's easily recognizable amongst people. Um, 
So yeah, Khabib just going by one, just going by one, uh, you know, even at the presser today, uh, Dana White announced it as Khabib versus McGregor. It wasn't Nurmagomedov versus McGregor. He Khabib. So right. that's going to work in his favor as well, too. Like I said, I'm excited for this fight. I don't want to dedicate a whole lot of time to this press conference thing. Cause like I said, the next two weeks, it's going to be a big storyline and there's going to be a lot leading up to this that we're going to cover, but just first initial impressions off the press conference. Connor does not look good. Um, his trash talk fell flat. There was no, you know, like you said, it was a laugh track on a sitcom or without the laugh track on a sitcom. That's sort of what it felt like. It was not, it was not good. It was not a good look for him. He did not come out looking like the Conor McGregor that last fought in the UFC two years ago. So there's that. Um, but unless you have anything else to say, let's navigate away from that and get into some football for this weekend. No, that's good. Um, I actually wanted to update you. Um, I don't know if you're watching the game, but as we were talking about that, um, big game Baker actually scored his first points, uh, not a touchdown, but after they scored the touchdown, they ran the wildcat and Jarvis Landry threw a two point conversion to Baker Mayfield. So Baker Baker's got his two point conversion under he's, his belt. He's the truth, so man. There's that. Yeah. I mean, just a triple threat. He can run, he can catch, he can pass. It's amazing. Okay. Let me ask you this real quick. All right. This is just, this is just, <laughs> I mean, no, this isn't, this can be one of those things where you're gonna be like, you're an idiot or maybe it's a legitimate question. I don't know. So if I bet, Jarvis Landry to score at any time, just score at any time. No, it's got it's got to be a touchdown. Okay, all right, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, they won't give you two point conversions. It's got to be a touchdown. Okay, all right. I mean, it, yeah, I I could be wrong. Um, it depends if you're on Bovado, if you're on Fanduel, because apparently Fanduel puts out lines and don't like to pay people. So, well, they do. Yeah, they do right. like the they they are afraid of a lawsuit, and I'm glad that guy got paid. Good on him for finding a mistake and jumping on it. Um, it's his fault that he only put 150 bucks on it. He should should have put like four grand on it because they were at the 15 yard line down by two. Uh, so we knew the field goal was coming as long as they didn't turn it over. Um, I probably would have put my grandma's pension on it. Well, but, real quick. Real quick, there might not be people. There might be people listening that don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so um, run that back real quick. So, this past weekend, when the Broncos were playing the Raiders, um, the Raiders had a two point lead, and the Broncos were driving. And after Case Keenum completed a pass down to, I believe it was the 15 yard line, with under two minutes left to go, um, I, I want to say it was under a minute left to go. Yeah, um, it was close. Yeah, because I, I think, yeah, because the Raiders got the return, the kickoff, and that's it, and the game was over. So it was under a minute left to go. Um, a a guy, I, I forget where he was from, but he uh, he got, he was at the horse tracks, and Fandle has a book at the, at the horse tracks. Fandle actually offers sports lines, not only daily fantasy stuff. So he gets on, he goes to Fandle's book, and um, they had... I want to make sure I'm correct here, but I'm pretty sure it was at a plus 750. I could be wrong. Let me make sure. I, just, I think it was 7,500. Yes, you're right. Plus 7,500. Yeah. It was Denver, a live bet for Denver to win down by two in field goal range at plus 7,500. And the guy threw 110 bucks on it. Ended up coming out to $82,000. Um, as we know, Denver kicked the field goal, won the game by one. 
FanDuel said it was a mistake that that line shouldn't have been up. They meant to put it at minus 600. They put it at plus 7,500. Numbers don't even match up. Makes no sense to me how you make that kind of mistake. They said they weren't going to pay the guy. The guy hires an attorney, and before it can even before he can even file his lawsuit, FanDuel decides, nah, we'll pay you the 82 grand. And they probably save themselves millions by paying him the 82 grand. So the little guy wins. Um, the the big corporate doesn't take the hit that I would like to uh, like that I would have uh, liked to have seen them take. You know, 10 million, 15 million would been awesome just in you know fighting this lawsuit. But uh, good on that guy. Uh, I'm like you. I scour sites for mistakes. Um, yeah. You have to. It's it, If you can take 10 minutes out of your time to scour a site and find some ridiculous line that's messed up, jump on it, take it, win, and uh, you know move on to the next bet. Um, this happened. This guy was $82,000. He got his money and good on him. Yeah. And I'll tell you where I'll tell you where little uh, little honey holes for stuff like that are, and that's player specific bets and live odds as as games are going on. Um, because there's when when they're updating the lines as the game's playing, that's the most human element interference you'll find in a line. Um, you know, a lot of times it's it's set it and forget it, and they let a computer run the algorithm that makes the line move. However, when they're updating that as the game's going, there's a lot of there's a lot of fingers on keyboards. That eighty two grand that they paid that guy is just the salary of the person that they fired for making that mistake. So right. they're not even they're not even they're they don't feel that at all. Uh, I'm with you. I'd love to see him take a ten million dollar hit, but. You know, one, it sucks that that person made a mistake and they almost assuredly got fired for it. And two, um, you know, like I'm saying, those those player specific bets and live betting, those are the ones that you you, you absolutely want to hammer. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, Atlanta Falcons fans, 28 to three. Um, you and I were texting, looking at that line going, uh, I wonder and we didn't. Um, I could only imagine. So anyway, yeah. yeah, use that to transition into NFL football. What do you like uh, or what are we what are we co-signing on this weekend? OK, um, I'm going to start with the I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into my surprise pick of the week. Um, I know that a lot of people listening to that one are going to be surprised. Uh, we're going to go. I like the Bengals on the road in Carolina plus three points this week. Um, I know Joe Mixon's out, uh, but we all know Giov- uh, Giovanni Bernard's no no dud. I mean, the guy was consistent 100-yard games until Jeremy Hill came in and somehow took his job. Jeremy Hill's a bum. And then they draft you know, their guy, Joe Mixon, out of Wisconsin. Um, so I like Cincy plus three in this game. They've scored 30 points in back-to-back games on the road this year. Um, In their last 20 games on the road as an underdog of one to three points. So a field goal or less underdog on the road. They're 15-4-1 against the spread, Um, which is surprising to me, honestly, uh, because I don't picture the Bengals as a great road team. That's not saying they're 15-4-1 straight up. That's just against the spread. 
which means they're losing a lot of close games on the road or winning those games. Um, and they're also four and one in their last five games on the road against NFC South opponents. So two trends like that, hard to ignore since he's playing tough football. Um, they looked real good week one uh, with that comeback win against Indy. Andrew Luck threw the ball all over the field. And since he was able to rally and come back and win that game by double digits. And then the Andy Dalton, the uh, the Red Rider, the Red Rocket, whatever you want to call him. Him and A.J. Green, go dogs. Uh, their, their connection is in full force, man. Uh, yeah. A.J. Green, one of the most underrated receivers in football. I know you're going to be like, oh, it's A.J. Green. You know, he's so good. But the guy's consistently borderline. People think he's like number six, number seven. A.J. Green's a top five wide receiver. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The guy does it year in and year out with subpar quarterback play. Andy Dalton seems to have lost some weight in the offseason. He looks like he actually changed his throwing mechanics. Since his offense looks good, and their defense, their front seven is legit. Um, Carolina has struggled in both of their games. They looked really bad against Dallas. Um, they won that game. And then their offense was stagnant against Atlanta. Um, with Atlanta missing Deion Jones at linebacker uh, and Keon O'Neal at safety, their two defensive captains, the two best players in their defense, and Cam Newton couldn't move that ball to save his life. So I think since he plus three on the road is uh, is a good play here. Yeah, I like that play a lot. And I'll, I'll say a couple words on that. Um, one, you know, and you said this already, Cincinnati's playing well on both sides uh, of the ball. And when that happens, uh, offense fuels the defense and then the defense fuels the offense. Um, and you see, you know, a lot of times if you have a team that's, you know, dependent on one side or the other, it's really hard in that, um, you know, it's hard to motivate the other side to do what they need to do. But if you go out there and, you know, you play offense and the defense is out there laying it all on the line and kicking ass, when it's your turn, you want to match that level of play and reward them for their hard work. And likewise, then the defense comes back out and it's just an echo chamber of support on there. And I think that's a lot that has a lot to do with what Cincinnati's got going on right now. They are playing really well just as a cohesive unit, as a team, both sides of the ball. Andy Dalton, I agree, is playing some of the best football of his life. A.J. Green lights out. Um, and, you know, let's not forget that Carolina is ravaged by injuries right now. Um, and. There's not a more hit quarterback in the in the NFL than Cam, and he just took a smack last was, week. That um, was so incredibly dirty. Oh, it was a horrible. It, oh, I'm not my. saying it was a. I'm I, not saying it was a good hit. It yeah. was a completely dirty hit. But let's you know, there's one thing to say. All right, you know, if it's an overtime game, um and it's a short week, guys might be a little tired or something like that. Or, you know, if you play a long overtime game, like, uh, you know, or to say like that, that the Vikings players are going to be tired this week. I, I don't buy into that. You have a whole week to rest um, and you're ready to go. But a hit like Cam took, and this is coming from a guy that's been punched in the head a lot. You, 
it takes a while to come back from that. And a guy that's been hit as much and as hard as he's been hit, uh, that's going to play a factor. I would not be surprised if Cam gets hit again and takes a couple uh, sequences off this next, uh, you know, this weekend. Um, Because that's hard to come back from. That's real hard to come back from. So I like Cincy a lot. That plus three, I, I, you know, that's a, that's a good play in my book. I like that. Uh, what else you got? Okay. Um, so going from one um, banged up quarterback to another, uh, we're taking a home dog uh, plus three and a half. I love home dogs. Let's get it. The Washington Redskins plus three and a half against the Green Bay Packers. This is hard for me. Listen, your staff. I, I know. Be ready for this. Go it, ahead. This is hard for me because I am such a big Aaron Rodgers guy. But after watching that Vikings game, it's obvious that something's wrong. His mobility has slowed down. Uh, Mike McCarthy even commented on it and said he's just not. He can't move lateral. Um, so here's some trends that point me in the direction of Washington plus three and a half in this game. In the last 10 times that a team is coming off a tie ha- that has to go on the road, they're 0-10 straight up and 1-9 and against the spread. The Packers tied last week, and now they have to travel to Washington. They're playing on the road. Um, the Packers were outgained by over two yards per play against the Vikings and were 1 out of 5 in the red zone. You can't go 20% in the red zone. Like, even if it's field goals, man, you can't settle for only one score out of five attempts. That's that's terrible. Um, their, their points, they did score a blocked punt and two huge offensive plays. They weren't moving the ball consistently. Um, they relied on big plays to tie this game. In the Mike McCarthy era, the Packers are 2-7 and seven straight up and 0-9 and against the spread in road games in the first three weeks of the season. I mean, there's no, there's no secret that green Bay has been a bad road team in the beginning of the season, but I didn't know they were zero nine against the spread. Um, the Redskins defense is tough. Yes. They stifled Arizona in week one. That's not a surprise to anybody after seeing Arizona in week two, they suck. They're bad. Josh Rosen needs to get a chance, but that's that's something different. Um, but then they held the Colts to under 300 total yards in week two. Um, Andrew Luck's healthy, man. They're moving the ball. Um, him and T.Y. Hilton are hooking up. Uh, the Colts were one for seven on third downs of four yards or more, which is huge. You, you know, you force a long third down. Aaron Rodgers can't run. Um that makes him stand in the pocket. And if you're going, you know, if you're even have 85% success rate on third downs of four yards or more, I like your odds to stop an immobile Aaron Rodgers because there's no doubt in my mind, he's thinking about his knee and the Packers have a, an easy schedule coming up after this game. Um, they're looking at teams like Arizona. They're looking at a struggling Detroit, um, this is a game that I can see the Packers overlooking. I say this year in and year out. I think that's why they're a bad road team in the start of the season because they overlook games because they do have Aaron Rodgers and they just expect him to go out and be spectacular and win games. But when you're 
number one guy's hobbled up and he's not 100%. Other guys have to make plays. And this is a game that I believe since the schedule came out in July, you know, the rebuilding Redskins with their new quarterback and Alex Smith, um, this is a game that they have circled on the calendar as soon as the schedule came out. They've been waiting for this game. Uh, Alex Smith went number one overall. Rodgers dropped the number 22. It's always been a quarterback comparison between the two from the year they were drafted. I like Alex Smith and that Redskins offense and defense to come out and keep this game close enough, maybe even win outright. But we're going to stick with Washington plus the three and a half. Yeah. uh, I mean, anybody who knows me, uh, and you can just tell by my voice, I'm not a big math guy. Uh, numbers, not really my thing. Uh, yeah, I know, shocker there. Um, but the trends that you pointed out, uh, even a uh, even a calculator user like myself can figure that out, that that's hard to ride against. And then you add into the fact that Aaron Rodgers himself said that the more he plays on this knee, the worse it feels. Um, I don't think that uh it's not looking good for green bay uh as a whole you know as as a team moving forward you know these down weeks that you alluded to coming up they're going to need those i would not be surprised to see rogers uh as you know an air quote here healthy scratch um if they're able to pull out a win Against Washington, I wouldn't be surprised if they healthy scratch him for a game maybe against Detroit, where even, you know, uh, the dumpster fire himself might be able to lead them to victory and just let him rest for a week. We'll see uh, that, you know, obviously that remains to be seen. They've got a tough test with Washington. Like you said, they've probably had this game scheduled or um, circled since the beginning of the year when the schedule came out. This is going to be an interesting game that is a surprising pick, uh, at least on paper. But when you really crunch the numbers and get down into the, you know, the meat and bones, the marrow, like you did, I don't see how somebody can listen to that and be like, "Ah, I'm going to go ahead and buck all those trends. Let's just try something different. If you are that gutsy and ballsy, go for it. But, uh, if you're asking our opinion and you're here, so maybe you are, I would suggest riding with the numbers on that. Uh, you know, there's numbers don't lie. Most of the time, most of the time. Right. And if, if the Packers go out and dominate this game, don't at me on Twitter and Instagram without picks. Picks or it didn't happen. Send me your bet slip. Prove to me that you played the Packers. Cause if you're going to come at me and tell me you're crazy for taking the Redskins, you know, prove to me that you, uh, that you put your money where your mouth's at and show me your bet slip. Show me you played the Packers. Yeah. Here's the other thing too. And I'm glad you said that just real quick on the Instagram and the Twitter thing. Um, it's funny because, you know, obviously we post a lot of stuff and, you know, the bots come into play and these other little, uh, these other little betting services and stuff, you know, they like to come in and, and, and like our pictures and, 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 you know, throw little comments in our, in our thing or whatever about, you know, foolproof systems and all this other garbage. You go to their, their, their things, they post a picture that's them like that they made that says, you know, whatever four games and they put little green check marks beside it. Those aren't bet slips. No, those aren't, those aren't bet slips. You come to our Instagram page, you come to Twitter, hit me up email. I'm, you know, I, I, 
I literally emailed a guy, a, a fan of ours from California. Him and I emailed all day today, just going back and forth, dialoguing about picks and strategies and stuff like that. You get at us on Instagram, Twitter, email, whatever. We will engage you, but be ready. Be ready because like you said, I want to see a slip. These other services that are out there that are charging you guys $300 a week, $2,500 a year, $1,700 a month, whatever their bullshit you know, scheme is, why aren't they posting their slips on their Instagram page? You can't just make a picture and put it up with a green check mark beside saying, oh, we hit, come make money, foolproof systems, analytics don't lie. No, 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 my friends. Put them slips up. You come to our page. You come to Fistful of Cash. Uh, the Our one fist is full of cash. The other fist is full of slips. We're We're putting our money where our mouth is. We walk it how we talk it. We've been like that since week one, and we're always going to stay that way. This is a community of walking it how we talk it. That's it. So college football, let's go. I'm fired up, man. I've had a couple beers tonight. We've had a good day today. I'm ready to go. College football, hit me. All right. Um, we'll go with the Purdue Boston College game. Um, Boston. I love this game. Okay, so why Boston College will win this game? The Boilermakers, three straight winnable games at home. They lost. Um, couldn't close. Stupid, stupid, stupid penalties like against Northwestern. Um, I appreciate that stupid penalty. It saved me the under. So thank you, whatever defensive lineman that was from Purdue that drove the quarterback into the ground 15 seconds late. I appreciate you. Um, bad, bad plays in inopportune times. Um, it's really hard for me to think that they're not in just an undisciplined team. On the other side of the ball, why Purdue's going to win this game? Blocked kicks. Mm. Purdue has come up with, what, four block kicks this year? Three punts and a field goal already blocked. Yeah, something like that. In three weeks. That's wild to me. Like, that's insane. Um, David Blow, he went, uh, what, 71% for 572 yards and three touchdowns against Mizzou last week. Uh, His defense let him down. Um, But their quarterback play is tough, and they are desperate. There's no doubt they are going to have the pressure from the start, that defensive line is going to be firing on all cylinders. And you go into this game and you see Boston College is 3-0, Purdue's 0-3. Purdue is better than their record of 0-3. There's no doubt about it. Um, you are what you are. You know, you are what your record is. I get that. But anybody who watches college football knows that Purdue is better than an 0-3 team. Three really bad losses at the end of games. Um the Boston College secondary, not impressive at all. And I like Purdue's passing game against that secondary. Um, I think that Boston College's run game will give Purdue's run defense a little bit of a fit. Um, but they won't uh, – Boston College will not own the possession battle. I don't believe so. I think that the time of possession will go in Purdue's favor. And I think this is where Purdue gets their win. They're getting so close. They, you know, I think they're going to rally past all these issues. I don't think a bad penalty is coming at the end of the game this week, and they're not going to go zero and four at home. Um, the line we're taking is Purdue plus seven, but I also do like Purdue outright in this game. But the line that we're going to stamp, the line, the, the 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 play that we made, 
is Purdue plus seven. Yeah, uh, you know, the last time that Purdue started a season 0 and 4 was like 1982. Something like that was the last time they started 0 and 4. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and this is a home game for them. And, you know, another little interesting tidbit about this game is that Purdue and Boston College have never played each other before. Uh, first matchup in program history, which that's, is great. That's crazy for two storied organizations like this, like two teams that have been around for a long time. The fact this is their first time playing each other is crazy. Right. So, you know, this, I mean, look, Boston College is, you know, cracked in the top 25. So you got to, Top 25 matchup, uh, you know, at home uh, if you're Purdue and you're 0-3. Like you said, Boston College's three wins aren't the most impressive. It's not like they're bad wins, but they're not the most impressive. And Purdue's quarterback is coming off a career game. Um, it's do or die time for them, and they know that. You know, you lose this game, a bowl is just not even an option. It's a foregone conclusion. So you're not going to get it. So they have to win this game, uh, and they've got to go on a tear. And I think it starts. I think it starts on Saturday. But um, I feel better. And like you said, we're stamping the plus seven. I like Purdue to win outright, but I think the plus seven is the play. So I like that game. What else you got? Uh, so we have to cover it. Um, the biggest game of the weekend, Alabama sure. versus A&M. You, we have to touch on this. Um, A&M's biggest uh, strength on their team is their wide receiving core. These dudes are massive. Um, Kendrick Rogers, 6'3", 210 pounds. Cameron Buckley, 6'2", 190 um, and Asbun is 6'2", 220. These are big, big college receivers. However, Alabama's a different beast. Like, don't get me wrong, A&M played Clemson tough. But Alabama is – I hate Nick Saban so much, and I don't like <laughs> Alabama because I am a Georgia Bulldogs fan. So – you know, a dominant SEC team like SEC team like Alabama, it's tough to like them at all. But my goodness, man, there's nothing that they have done this year to convince me otherwise that Alabama is hands down the best team in college football. Um, I think that they they have the ability to shut down these huge wide receivers. Um, so their game against Ole Miss, um, one of the top passing attacks in the nation. They hit they they hit Alabama for a seventy five yard touchdown on the first drive. After that touchdown, Ole Miss six completions, fifty eight yards, completely shut down. Like there was no moving the ball at all for Ole Miss against Arkansas State. Um, Justice Han Justice Hansen, Arkansas State's quarterback, he will finish probably you know top three or four in passing yards in the nation this year. They held him to 218 yards. Um, I know the Aggies don't turn the ball over. I don't think uh, Kellen Munn has thrown an interception yet, but their defense also has only forced one turnover. Uh, but I just can't reiterate it enough. Bama is just – they're a different breed than anybody A&M has seen or watched tape on. Jimbo Fisher's got his hands full this weekend. I think – a&M keeps it close for maybe two quarters 
and then Bama's defense really sinks in those halftime adjustments and locks down A and M. Um, I think Alabama wins this game something around forty to seventeen. So we're gonna hit the under on this game. I believe the line was what sixty two last time we checked. Sixty two or sixty five. I'll have to look okay. real quick. Let me look before we go. Keep, go ahead, keep talking. I'll I'll, I'll pull it up. Yeah, I'm just I, I I trust Alabama's defense to hold the under in this game, regardless if it was sixty, anything above sixty. I like Alabama's defense to hold the under. Um, I think this is more of a star shining moment to take one from the March Madness um, college theme for Tua. You know, I know he had it in the national championship last year, but this is going to be his first full game. I don't know if we're going to see Jalen Hurts. Um, this is a big game for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. I think he leaves his guy in there and Tua plays the whole game. And I think Alabama wins in convincing fashion but I still like the under in this game. It's a 61 and a half. 61 and a half. Okay. So yeah, as, under 61 and a half is the play here. Yeah. As of right now, it's under 61 and a half. Um, so yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Uh, you know, I like, I mean, obviously I like Bama in this game. Um, Alabama's defense, as you said, is a different animal uh, this year. I just, I don't, I guess my concern would be, you know, I, actually, I, I have no concerns here. No, I was going to, again, it it's hard for me to filter out last year's Alabama's team's, you know, defensive woes here and there and the inconsistency. They're not, they're not that this year. They are a, a defensive powerhouse. Um, yeah, I like the under in this one as well. I think that, I think that that's a good safe call. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Co-sign me up. All right, now that, that that wraps up our uh, football picks. We do have a UFC event this weekend. We touched on it uh, earlier in the week on the Tuesday touchback with Eric Anders taking that six days notice to fight. Um, Tiago Santos. What's your, okay, so t- there you go. See, this is like me with the Triple G Canelo. Like I'm trying to build it up and you just, Tiago Santos, done. End it. Well, no, I didn't know. I didn't know <laughs> if you knew who the guy's name or not. That's no, what no. I was, I'm, was going to ask you. What's your pick in the uh, Eric Anders Tiago Santos fight? Okay. Well, spoiler alert. Then Tiago Santos is my pick. Um, and here is why. Santos has had plenty of time to prepare for a fight. Eric Anders has not. Eric Anders has knockout power, which Tiago Santos has struggled with in the past. However, Eric Anders has not looked good since fighting Loyota Machida. He tends to carry his hands low. He's got a big round belly, and Tiago Santos loves to throw body kicks. Um, I don't think this fight makes it. out honestly i don't think it's gonna make it past the first round but i like the play of it being under uh under two but i like the idea of santos winning more than i like that um i thought that eric anders was going to annihilate tim williams uh and it, he managed to get that knockout with one minute left in the third round so as far as eric anders goes it's tough to pick rounds in which his fights will finish because he has one punch knockout power, but he also um, can be a little gun shy Um, and going in on six days notice, he's going to have one of two game plans. 
it's going to be a two minute blitzkrieg where he's going to try to get Santos out of there. Um, or it's going to be, you know, bide my time, bide my time, bide my time, bide my time. And it, 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 either one of those are too risky for a round pick. Um, I'm not even confident in a finish pick here, but I just like Santos to do more. I like him to do more to get the win. I like him to do more to get the win by knockout. But again, it's too risky any other way than to just take him at a win. What's he at? Minus 165? Minus 160. 160, yeah. Santos for the win. Not sure how. Lean towards knockout. Obviously, he's not a submission guy. Uh, Wrestling pedigree is nil. Um, I like him by knockout, but I like him just to win first. So that's that's my big pick for that fight. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that Eric Anders knockout, that was the one as time expired in the third round. Right? Was it was it as time expired? Yeah, because he knocked him out and we were watching it because I know we were both watching it at the same time. Yeah. And he knocked him out and you were like, Oh my god, is that gonna count? Cause um whoever the ref was at the time, Tan Mergliot, I don't know who it was, didn't jump yeah. in and stop it. And we didn't know if it actually counted as a knockout, but he was credited with the knockout. They decided that it was a knockout before time expired. I'm pretty sure that was literally like a bang bang last second knockout. I, I knew it was. I knew it was inside of a minute left. Um, yeah, I mean, it very well may have been. You know, like you said, right, right at the buzzer. I'm not. In, uh, I'd have to go back and watch it again. I, I bet. Now that you're painting the scenario, that sounds right. But mm-hmm. a lot of time has passed between now and then. Um, yeah. So I, again, I like Santos in this fight. I'm not impressed with either one of these guys. Their last outings, um, with this line being what it is. Uh, you know, it's currently 160 for Santos coming back one plus 135 for Anders. I don't blame anybody for avoiding this fight um, or avoiding this pick, but I like Santos in this fight minus 160. That's what I like for this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna, is it all right with you? I'm just going to throw one more out there real quick. I, I, yeah. you know, I know we normally do this, but I just let's make it an even six. Um for this episode, Sergio Marais, Ben Saunders under two and a half rounds at minus one fifteen. That's a good play for that. Ben Saunders does not have a great gas tank. Sergio Marais coming off a loss um, and has great jujitsu. Both these guys are great jujitsu guys, um, but Ben Saunders doesn't have the gas tank. This is in Brazil. Sergio Marais, very Brazilian. Uh, he's going to have the hometown push, the hometown crowd. He also has pretty good knockout power, decent stand-up. Ben Saunders does it as well, but he has been susceptible to the knockout lately. He's coming off a huge knockout loss to uh, Alan Joban. He has not looked good as of late. Killer B is getting snuffed out inside two and a half. Uh, Sergio Marais, I think, will win the fight. He's a heavy favorite, but... Uh, you're not going to make any money there. So the under two and a half at minus 115 is my play for that. I'm also going to add another UFC pick or two to our Patreon picks uh, for this week as well. So that's what I got for UFC for the show, man. Yeah, I think that's it. That covers all our picks for the show. Um, Like again, like you said, you want double the picks, um, the same amount, two NFL, two NCAA, one UFC will be on our Patreon page um get to it subscribe get in on it get them slips in get this money you know uh we're just trying to uh pay it forward you know um and like he said we are playing everything that we're telling you guys we are playing it 
Um, if you don't believe us, send us an email. We'll show you proof of the slips. Um, we're playing all this. We're putting our money where our mouth is at. A um, couple things as far as the actual podcast goes. Um, we're working on something here. Um, we're working on our first interview. Um, not going to mention any names. Uh, it is a follow of our follower of ours on Instagram. Um, UFC related. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I'm not going to give a name out. UFC okay. related, working on an yep. interview, hoping to have them on sometime soon. Um, so get ready for that. As time comes, as we hash out the details, we'll give you more on it. But uh, yeah, that hopefully is coming up soon so we can get you guys some insight from actually inside the organization. Um, and that, that's all I got. Uh, Baker Mayfield is up 21 17. 32 seconds left in the game. Jets have the ball. So it looks like big game Baker in his first game, 17 for 23, 201 yards, going to get the win. Browns were uh, Browns are going to cover too. Browns are going to cover. They were minus three. Oh, Browns, boy. Browns going to cover. The under is going to hit unless Sam Darnold, he's got him at the 30-yard line. He's got 30 seconds, no timeouts though. So um, That's true. Well, they could also kick a field goal too. No, they're I down mean- four. Oh, they're down. Well, I'm saying as far as the cover. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Todd Bowles to kick a field yeah, that's goal. What I'm that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Todd, that's, that's what I'm saying. Todd Bowles will kick a field goal as time expires just to have it be a one-point loss and hey, screw everybody's lineup. Don't. Hey, I mean, I'm just if saying. If this was college, I wouldn't put it past it because I know, I know there's college coaches out there that bet on lines. Yeah. And Sam Darnold just got picked off. Game over. So the Browns twenty-one seventeen with the cover. Baker Mayfield two hundred yards in his uh in his um career opener. Good for him. Big win for the Browns. That city's going to burn to the ground. So big win for everybody else. Hopefully Cleveland doesn't exist in the morning. Yeah, well we couldn't get that lucky. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Cleveland. We love you ish. Um, so yeah, that's that's about it. Um, Patreon page. Um. Real quick, guys, I know we alluded to it, uh, you know, we've said it a lot. Don't mean to sound so aggressive about we've got slips to back it up, but it is something that we pride ourselves on. Our total so far for the year, um, I noticed that somebody in our iTunes review said, I want to see what their uh, their record looks like at the end of the year. Well, as it stands right now, what, go ahead, what were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, JT Bruce. I'm yeah. pretty <laughs> sure that was the Amazon gift card winner too. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. Jesus. All right. So uh, as of right now, guys, our total, we're 35, 18, and 1, sitting at 66%. Um, and that's across UFC, football, and some golf sprinkled in there. So, you know, go out, find somebody else that's doing better than us and has the slips to prove it. By all means, I'd love to see it. So, you know, 35, 18, and 1 headed into this weekend, 66%. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend. I'm, I'm looking for a big bounce back from last weekend. Uh, you know, it was it was it was a winning weekend, but it wasn't what we we're accustomed to. We're gonna. I feel like I feel confident we're going to knock it out of the park this weekend. Patreon supporters, by all means, check your picks. We're going to be putting those up. Uh, they're going to be on the page. Well, they'll be. I have them set to release midnight tonight, so they'll be on there midnight tonight. Get your picks in, and we will also. Uh, I just want to navigate people in that direction www.patreon.com forward slash fistful of cash um and you know th- sign up 
you get five additional picks a weekend. That's 20 a month. Uh, 10 bucks. 50 cents a pick. 50 cents a pick. You can't, you're not going to find a better deal. Even if you're a huge degenerate gambler and subscribe to 30 different things, nobody's doing it for 10 bucks a month. So at 66%, how can you pass on 10 bucks? That's literally uh, a Starbucks coffee and a croissant uh, for that for that price. So that's all I'm going to say. We're at 51 minutes. This is longer than our normal Friday episodes, but we had a lot to cover and I'm excited about this weekend. It's going to be a big weekend. I'm signing off. Talk to you guys on Tuesday. Good luck, everybody. Be well. And uh, I'll see you Tuesday. Yeah. Um, just to cl- touch on the the uh, degenerates out there. If you guys are looking for a crazy DGen play, shoot us an email. That's not going to cost you anything. I'll give you all the DGen plays you want. I'm all about them. They're fun. They're a blast. I like talking to people about them. As always, clear eyes, full fist, can't lose. Just do it!